0: Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from nine. Very good morning to um, Rosemary Armitage, uh, Rosemary, uh, the uh, MLC of course, for uh, Launceston. Good morning to you. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much. It's a lovely sunny day down here in Hobart, the Parliament.
0: Tell you what, um, how the heck are you going to get to the bills and get them done I mean, with the with only what thirteen pieces of legislation before both houses of Tasmania Tasmania Parliament the final weeks of sittings and all the bi- I mean, there's a lot. You've got the House of Assembly debating the government bill to restore the chamber to 35 seats. Yep. Did you see that uh, cartoon in the paper? I thought it was very good. Um, I
1: did. I saw that today. I yes. thought it was very
0: funny. They're worried about workloads. Tell them it's okay. We're going back to 35 members at the next election.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, look. It happens every year. Every year all the legislation comes towards the end of the year and it's frantic late nights getting it all done. and Too uh, rushed. Getting get, getting through it, it is, but it's just something we expect and it's, it's just the way it goes. It's, it just happens. Things happen during the year. You know, the Queen unfortunately died. That was a couple of weeks out of Parliament. You lose sitting weeks, you add sitting weeks in and every year we have this rush. But... Uh, At the end of it, we always seem to manage to get the important bills done and I think that's what really
0: matters. You've got the Electoral uh, Disclosure and Funding Bill as well, implementing nine Mm -hmm. recommendations from a review of the State's Electoral Act. Um, You've got the uh, Introduction to Parliament Changes of the Local Government Code of Conduct Framework, with the intention of providing a better process for dispute resolutions within councils. We know what that's all about. Debate.
1: They're all really important too, particularly, I think, you know, disclosing money that comes in. Everyone oh wants yeah. transparency, so we do need to get those through. I think they're particularly important for people to know that if someone does donate to you, who donates? And, and where's it come from? Because we all know no-one gives you nothing for nothing so it, uh, i think those bills particularly need to be uh, really front and center they
0: do indeed and you've got the debate on uh, the lower house of workers rehabilitation and compensation amendment bill the residential building bill oh good heavens and then uh, a bill to impose mandatory se- uh, sentences for child sexual offenses tabled in the house of assembly in june but yet to be read for a second time and of course amendments to the um, the state's animal welfare laws i mean how the heck are you going to get this done
1: Well, we're actually doing that one at the moment. We started that last night. Right. So there are quite a few changes to the the Animal Welfare Bill. And, you know, the original Act came in in 1993. So that's a fair while ago. And nothing really has changed much since then. So, So some of the amendments... Uh, to let people go in. If it's a flood, for example, or an emergency such as a fire, and some of these things have become evident with the times of late with the floods so that an officer can go in onto a property and save that animal or help that animal if they're in need. know, they don't need to get permission if no one's there to help them. So simple things like that are some of the things in that one. But of course, the other really big issue that uh, we'll be looking at today and with amendments, there are amendments proposed, prong collars and it is a a real thing in the community. So this is the thing. So we've had people describe to us that a lot of the dog training or the particular for the guard dogs, police dogs, one chap came and explained how they work, that the prong collars go on and how they change the behaviour. My concern is does it change the temperament of the dog? And do you really want a dog that's out in the community that has to have a prong collar on it? It seems cruel to have prongs in. I mean, I wouldn't like a prong collar around mine. They can pull every time. So they say it's not cruel. They say it helps the dog. The debate will go on today and we'll have for and against and we'll listen to the debate and decide on the amendments. But RSPCA Australia are, are totally against, obviously, anything like that. Mm. I think Victoria have banned them way back in 2008. Queensland are looking at the moment about banning... They've got the same bill before them, or pretty much the same bill to do with those things that we've got today. So it is an interesting one, and I'm sure the majority... I know when I looked at it, I thought, gosh, a prong collar, how cool does that seem? And I thought, Mark, and I don't know about you, but I thought that when a trainer used it, that the prong collar was only used while they were training that dog. I didn't realise that once you get the dog back, whoever's sent it off to training, it still has the prong collar for a period of time. So, mm. someone, you think you've, you've got the prong collar still on the dog, and it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's not necessarily just stopped at that couple of weeks when it's training, it can be for 12 months, or oh. obviously not when it's at home. But.
0: It'll be interesting to see what, yeah, what happens at, with that bill. I want to ask you about, uh, which is always good to know, what our pollies are actually doing in Parliament and your questions with notice and questions or on notice and questions without notice. If I can um, share a couple of uh, yours and uh, get. Oh, absolutely. It,
1: it, they're uh, on Hansard, yes. Yes, you they're on the Hansard.
0: And uh, I've, I've got them in my Hansard at the moment, if you like, uh, hands. But uh, <laughs> tell me, uh, you've got, you asked the question uh, have any discussions or contractual arrangements been entered into between the state and federal governments to this end when um, concerning a partnership to design and construct the hospice and when can it be expected to be entered into between the states and federal governments what progress towards site planning has been made what role if any will the launceston general hospital have in the planning development and construction of the hospice we know rosemary they've been mentioned how many times and and then the other part four how the hospice will be managed when it's constructed you asked that question without notice what was the answer
1: well, look, it is interesting, and as you say, Mike, it's really important to keep on these issues because all of a sudden the government, the federal government, in time for a new government, and if nothing's happened, then there's still no hospice. So the answer really was that following the uh, the federal budget, it was pleasing to see that the money's come about in the federal budget. So they tell me now that while there's no timeframes as yet, that they certainly will be working together, that the, uh, the federal and state governments will be working together to try and find out where they're actually going to put a hospital to, to allocate funds, you know, to construct the hospital, to actually deliver the project, that the relevant LGH clinical units, they're going to be have put input. The planning, design, construction will be managed by the Department of Health, the Infrastructure Services Division, so it will be managed in Tasmania. They haven't actually looked at yet the exact running of it, But Obviously, the clinical governance, the new facilities, it'll all be run through consultation with the Northern Specialist Palliative Care Services and the Clinical Network and the Launceston General Hospital Management. So the questions that I'll be continuing to ask, because as I said, it's important that, okay, they say it's happening and it's going to happen, but we need to make sure that it does happen. It can always, always be there in the sidelines, but, you know, things come up and then all of a sudden meetings didn't happen and then elections are called. And something drops off the radar, so it's really important. But that, this this can't be. A,
0: this can't get dropped off the radar. These well, these, it
1: can't. It, no, we won't allow it to. But <laughs> you know, things things do happen in parliament. We've we got to make sure that it doesn't. That it does continue and it does happen. So I just think it's really important and I I don't like to sort of think in any negative way. We've got to look positively and I've got to make sure that it happens sooner rather than later and I think that's what's really important too, that it doesn't go on any back burner, that it's out there front and centre, it's been around for a long, long time and we are going to make sure that it happens in the not too distant future, that things continue, and I will continue to ask questions. <laughs> I'll send you the answers so you know what's happening. Yes, happen. please. It's, it's, it really uh, is important that we keep on, you know, keep it on the front foot, and that it continues yeah. and, and doesn't doesn't drop off the radar at all. But Rosemary,
0: so not too many more job. debates, and no comi- no more committees, and no more. I mean, let's let's get it shovel ready, shovel ready, get it happening.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the first thing to do is to find out where it's going to go. It's, it's really important to know how can you design something if you don't know the spot it's going to go. Oh, correct. Because the footprint could be different. So you really need a site. You have to actually know where you're going to put it before you can start doing any planning or design. Oh. I think it's the thing, you know, You've got to start from the base up. Great start. You? <laughs> So I think that's the the priority to me, is determining where it's going to go. And and then my next question is obviously that, you know, we need to know where you're going to put it. You can't do a design. You can't do any of that if you actually don't know what your footprint is. So it's uh, Mm. an interesting one, but certainly one that I see is very important and been remiss for a long time that we haven't had a hospice for people. Everyone needs somewhere... If, we're all going to go, but we want somewhere in that situation that's pleasant, the most pleasant surroundings you can have.
0: Speaking with Rosemary Armitage, Independent MLC for Launceston. Now, Rosemary, also, look, we talk about it's always been so much political spin about these. That's why I'm, I've said the questions out there, you've got an answers, and I'm glad you're on it because we need those hospices. I want to ask you another question. Now that you've said question without notice, again, uh, in the Legislative Council, regarding applications for grants and emergency assistance, such as with the recent floods in the states north and northwest, I'm quoting your question, how should applicants who are not computer literate complete applications for financial assistance? Good point. We have a, a tr- tremendous literacy problem here.
1: Look, we do, and this one really came to the fore just recently when we had an elderly gentleman come into our office. He didn't have an email address, he didn't have a computer, he didn't have a smartphone, he needed to claim some money and had no idea how to do it. And you start to realise there are a lot of people out there that just simply don't claim what they're entitled to because they don't know how to do it. So I did ask the question, I thought, well, okay, if you can't have a computer, what paper forms? So I, our office, as I said, is always available for people to come and ask. But what they can do, they can actually phone a number and it's called the Tasmanian Emergency Information Service and the number is 61455303. And and the reason I did send you these questions too so that if anyone phones and asks you, you'll have the numbers as well. So our office has the numbers. They can ring and ask us. I'd hate to think, Mike, that someone doesn't claim what they're entitled to because they don't know how and they don't know who to ask. So there is a number Mm -hmm. that they can phone and the operator's we'll complete and lodge the, the applications on their behalf. So they'll actually do it Excellent. for them.
0: Tasmanian... Well, they can go
1: um, to the library or they can come into our offices, of course.
0: Tasmanian Emergency Information Service, six one four five five three zero three. Now, we'll be uh, on... Uh, this chat will be on our... Uh, uh, website of course later with those details yes. if you need to find out more that's very important. Another one, the uh,
1: libraries as well the oh, libraries as well of
0: course. Oh, yep yeah, go to the libraries they're fabulous. Uh, now also question without notice what progress has been made in the discussions about a future agreement with the Hawthorne Football Club to play in Tasmania and, it's, and if it is known at this stage whether the contract with North Melbourne will be renewed and will the issues currently under investigation at the Hawthorne Football Club likely affect uh, affect the likelihood of a sponsorship renewal. What was the comeback on that?
1: Well, that was an interesting one. Really didn't get much of an answer there. Right. The Hawthorne Agreement obviously expired at the end of 2022 and they're telling us that a future agreement tied to the outcome of the negotiation with the AFL for Tasmanian licence. And uh, North Melbourne, now this, this is one that I find very frustrating because all too often we ask the question about what's happening with North Melbourne and we're continually told that it's managed by TT line. We cannot even find out what the contract is or what the amount of money is with TT Line. They say it's commercial incompetence. But TT Line is a government business enterprise. Correct. And to my mind, that's still government, that's still community money, and we should know. But we cannot get an answer for that. We can't get an answer from the question to say, no, no, that contract's managed by TT Line. Don't really know. We do have the AFL... W north melbourne that contract expires at the end of 2024 and of course the other question was with regard to their the afl reviewing the um the hawthorne club their their issues that they've got under investigation and obviously they'll wait to find out the government will wait to find out the the review before they make any decisions on that as well so not a lot of answers we don't know what's happening with hawthorne we know we've got the AFL W north melbourne and tt line don't seem to tell us anything about what's happening with North Melbourne. So I, I find that's really bad because they are a GBE and the government should be able to answer that question.
0: And we still uh, have uh, the AFL uh, team, Tassie AFL team, in the balance.
1: Absolutely. So we still absolutely don't know nothing and uh, it's, it's a bit frustrating. would have been really nice if we to know from TT Lo and what was happening there and I think there should be an answer. But I no, will continue to ask those questions. We've got GBEs coming up in December. Oh, November.
0: Good and uh, Rosemary, speaking with Rosemary Armitage uh, now also I've got from Hans a question on notice. This one on notice says what progress has been made towards construction of a bypass or any other traffic solution as a result of the transport vision project between the Tasmanian Government and the Greater Launceston Councils? Well this is a
1: little bit of a sad one. I, I think we've been going for a long long time about an eastern yeah. bypass. And the concern to me were the, the answers to the questions. The word not appeared an awful lot in the answers that I got to the questions. The uh, federal government had $1.5 million to to look at uh, bypasses or traffic solutions for Launceston. That was 2019, and wasn't it? it? It was. It takes that long, you know, for the reports and things to go through. Mm. So I, I have asked these questions before. These were an update on my previous answers because I thought, well, we didn't get too much in the answers last time, only saying that it was still happening. So this is my follow-up. The proposal for a new bypass is not aligned with the relevant development strategies, in particular those of the City of Launceston regarding sustainable economic development, improved livability and land use planning. And then traffic modelling shows a bypass is not an attractive option for longer distance trips, which maintain the same travel path and it goes on. And then the next one, the study has not demonstrated any significant improvements to active transport or reduction of traffic accidents. The proposed bypass would separate part of the north-east floodplain from the main channel with the potential to increase the flood levels on the riverside of the bypass. The bypass would require several bridge or culvert openings to ensure much of the floodplain is usable. The cost-benefit analysis rated the major bypass options as having weak economic feasibility. So I'm, I'm not feeling too hopeful about... Uh, yeah, I see bypass. what you mean by the not. The answers I've received, not, not seems to appear quite a lot and the fact that it had a weak economic feasibility. There is still $1.2 million left of that money. The, it was 294000 the uh, Montes and Eastern Bypass study. They tell me it's available on the Department of State Gross website. I had a bit of a glance. It's not easy to navigate the website, so good luck to anyone. Uh, I'll have a try again later and see what I can find. But uh, it's. I thought it was quite disappointing because the Eastern Bypass or Eastern Ring Road it's been around for a long, long time. We've had a lot of reports, the money that's been spent, and realistically, the answers I've gotten doesn't look like uh, anything's happening anytime soon to do with an eastern bypass.
0: And the uh, Launceston Network Operations Plan, good heavens, along with the Greater Launceston Transport Vision, Launceston Transport Strategy, General Activities, District Parking Implementation Plan. Oh, gosh, it goes on. I'm glad you're looking it at does. that, Rosemary.
1: <laughs> well, every now and then, you, you go back over the questions they'd asked, I've answered you before and you think right it's, I think it's time for a, for an update on that one so it, yeah. look, it, it is an interesting one getting the answers comparing them with the last one of course computers are great because you have still kept your last answers you can compare them and you can look at the, the next lot of answers so it's uh, it's onward and upward I, I guess realistically that with the uh, legislation that we're going through the lower house today mm. to do with seven members and five electorates that's another one I heard you talking about Increases with uh, unions and it's all money, 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 isn't it? it's all living within our means. Well, how
0: are we going to find that money that the unions want? I, I totally understand. I think everyone will say, "Yeah, we we love to get pay parity." I've often spooked that on this particular program. Um, <laughs> that would be a great idea, and I think uh, the agreement of 3.5% the first year, 3% each year for the next two years uh, is reasonable. I don't think. I mean, we, we we can't afford to go to 8.6%. I mean, 570,000 people in this uh, state. You know, we pay. You know, for, for those that pay the taxes, good heavens, how are we going to afford
1: it? And I'm sure they know that. I believe that the unions see that as their job to lobby. I'm sure they realise that because you only have to look at the people out there that are suffering. Look at uh, the, the pensioners. And I know you bring up pensioners all the time and I agree with you. And you go to some of their meetings, even the independent retirees, they say in many cases they're suffering because they can't even get concessions.
0: No, you're right.
1: With interest, you know, interest rates were down on their investments. I know they've improved slightly now, but it doesn't matter. Pensioners are suffering. Everyone's suffering. But at the end of the day, I've always believed we live within our means, and you know, we all have to uh, find money, whether it be the supermarket, whether it be whatever it is. We all have to eat. We'll have to live. And I think the unions sometimes think, well, that's their job. I'm not sure they expect what they're asking for, but I'm sure they see it as their job to to do that. And uh, at the end of the day, it's the government's job too to manage the money and make sure there's enough to go around. Because what do you have to cut? Well, that was you that can't make money.
0: Yeah, that was that caller, of course, Gary, when you mentioned that. I mean, uh, I think he was spot on.
1: Oh, absolutely. So if you know if you find money from somewhere, it's like in your own house. Hmm. If you've had to put some money to something else, then you've got to take it from somewhere. You, you can't just automatically just go and you know pull it off a tree. So if you've got ex- more expenses for something that you didn't expect. Then you've got to take it from somewhere else, and the government's no different. They mm. have to do that too at budget time. So it's it's one of those things we really appreciate, particularly our, our teachers, our nurses, our emergency services, our police, our fireys. They're absolutely magnificent, and what would we do without them? Is, as they say, emergency services—they run in, we're we're all running out. You know, we mm. actually need them, and they need to be paid. What you know, we'll never be able to pay them what they're worth. We know that. We can never, ever pay for them what they're worth. That's true. We need to be able to pay what we can actually afford, and I guess that's what it comes down to. The government has to negotiate, the unions have to lobby, and at the end of the day, they have to negotiate and find somewhere in the middle.
0: Mm, And, uh, Rosemary, good to chat to you. I look forward to our next chat. Rosemary Armitage, Independent MLC for System. Thanks for your time this morning. Any time at all. Thanks, Mike. Good to Bye. talk to you. Oh, sorry about that. Rosemary Armitage there, if you have a comment, 1300 00 10 12. Or, of course, text 0448 30 10 12 with Tasmania Talks. Tasmania Talks with Mike O'Loughlin, weekday mornings from nine.